Apologia is a tribal movement based on Christian tribalism which sees Christians as a tribe at war with globalism and its main apologist, liberalism. The war is a war of ideologies and is fought ideologically as an experiment in which apologians form the test group. The experiment demonstrates the validity of the apologian position and that apologetic is a valid science and field of study. Apologia is the environment in which the experiment occurs. In application Apologia is a church. The church is a modern interpretation of the tribal structure. In its pure form, apologetic is a universal science that encompasses all fields of inquiry including the humanities. In apologetic, the humanities are rendered objective and given a quantified method of validation, but within the tribal form of organization. The church's tribe is both the topic of inquiry and the vehicle in which the experiment occurs. All the science, hard and soft, are amalgamated into one field of study. Apologetic studies and apologia validates the God hypothesis and the validity of scripture as a handbook on how to live. When we learn how to validate faith through a tribal structure, the sciences become subsumed under apologetic. Our way of life as Christians, become a test of faith. The experiment that is apologia rhetorically asks, what happens when we actually live right, as defined in scripture? But all of what has been said so far, is just words if we do not create an impermeable barrier between the two groups. If we are to test what is right, we have to understand and compensate for evil. But even this is not enough, if the adjustments are all anecdotal in nature. The difference between good and evil has to be objective and measurable. Good and evil must be defined so the difference can be quantified. If bad is only bad when compared to good, then the difference between good and evil is relative and cannot be quantified in any meaningful sense. Nor will there be a true division between the test and control groups. We can only measure good if the inverse of that metric is able to measure evil. This is something this world dislikes dealing with. They want everything to be relative. They are opposed to absolutes, but without absolutes there is no way to quantify changes and if you cannot measure what is wrong you cannot measure what has value. What is good is what we value. This might seem to provide us with only a personal and subjective measure of good, but such is not the case. Value can be quantified and measured. We may value certain things with no real value, and if that is so, these choices will have to be subsidized if we wish to make them. However, there is another dimension we need to explore here. The hermit only has his time to measure value with. The individual uses his or her time to do what he or she values most. When left to their own devices, an individual will use his or her time in a way that generates the most value for them. However, these choices lack objectivity and cannot be faulted empirically. But humans and groups have a problem. The issue is the design paradox. Christians argue the universe seems designed for life. There are hundreds of factors that must be precisely as they are to permit life, but Earth paradoxically is not suited for human life. Humans die when exposed to the elements for any length of time. We have to cook meat and process cereals before we can eat them. 
We need shelter and clothes and foodstuffs that have gone through a lengthy preparation process. If anything, the world does not seem well suited for human beings. That being said, an even more paradoxical situation confronts us. Alone we are not sufficient. To make shelter and clothes and provide food is beyond the abilities of most people. It is easier with two but to have a comfortable life and to enjoy the fruits of civilization requires a complex and quite sizable population. The basics can be produced by a few moderately skilled people. To create a highly technical civilization, such as possessed by white people, is another thing entirely. Which is why so few nations have got to the level enjoyed by the West. It is one thing to operate as a sovereign citizen answerable to no one. It is another to function as an integrated element of an advanced culture. To create a culture in which many hundreds of thousands or even millions of people work to produce value in a systematic way, is another level of order entirely. The liberal model of community is based on negative rights or the thou shalt not prescription. Liberals are ethical in the way they think about right and wrong. A liberal thinks he has divine attributes or innate value. A liberal is a king or queen of his or her own private kingdom. This is why they think they are free, sovereign and above the law they want to be imposed on everyone else. Liberals fear others because of the freedom they desire for themselves. Individual freedoms always collide. The law is akin to the UN in the sense that it mediates issues that arise between the principalities and powers of liberalism. It is primarily up to each subject how they will live. The state demands its tribute but how this is acquired is left up to the individual for the most part. What is needed is a model that is less patronizing. We need a community model that has a lower level of tolerance for what is evil. What is needed is a merit-based community system. We need to stop rewarding people for what has no value or what has negative value. We need to identify the features of a meritocracy and delegitimize the tolerance and apathy that rewards everyone for everything. Meritarians are a people who oppose the law because the Aww. does not define merit. Apriorian Consulting provides information on how best to respond to liberalism and to the law that gives it life. For a moment, imagine a world of moral persons. No one steals or cheats or attempts to do less than they are able or cut corners. Those things that do not have merit are not done. In a meritocracy what role would the state play? The state destroys merit-based systems so that it can fix the problems that freeloading creates. In other words, the state creates a need for the state. The Bible tells us the law is not for the righteous, but the unrighteous. What it does not say yet implies is the lawmaker needs the lawbreaker to justify its existence. Without he unjust the state would no role to play. You may believe it is impossible to rid the world of lawbreakers, but the argument still stands that given a moral population, the state would be made redundant. However, no doubt some people will insist the state is needed to supply us with public goods. But we need to look more closely at the claim, because the state has nothing and can do nothing. Everything is paid for and provided by the private sector. 
take away the regulatory function of the state and the state is a debating society. Everything built was built by men using their hands, not by politicians. No matter how much planning was done, at some point men had to go out to the site and use their hands to dig and drive and lift the elements into place. What is stopping those who need a road from asking, as we ask a neighbor, for a road? What is stopping those who build the roads, building a road for those who need it? It cannot be money because the state cannot earn money. The simple answer to the need for the state is always that the private sector cannot provide social goods. However, if we look at what we call the private sector, it is not as private as we might assume. When we want a house, we think we need money to buy the house. We want public works, so we think we need public funds to pay for them. But fiat currency is a manufactured product. It has no real value. A million dollars does not give you a house if there is no house to purchase. All the money in the world will not cure cancer if you cannot find the cure. A million dollars in gold may sink the boat it is in, but it will not plug a lead. The consumer cannot operate in the market without money and to get it means he has to buy it or steal it. Imagine you wish to purchase a house, but so does a corporation. The bank lends the corporation the money it needs to buy the house, but it will not lend the money to you. Therefore, the corporation will get the house and you do not. But this is not the market but the banker and the CEO working in tandem to deprive you of what you could have used. We may say this is how the market works, but a bank is not sentient or moral and the actions of a bank cannot be justified on merit. The ability to generate a profit is not the ability to generate value. There is no merit in the ability to make a profit. The bank may make a profit, its clients may make a profit, but that does not make the capitalist system valuable. Nothing on earth exists to benefit a sector or segment or class of things. Creating value is an absolute necessity and it is a number tied only to itself. Like any series the value of the scale has to increase. The reality is capitalism is not a value-creating activity, this is why capitalism and socialism are part of the control group. Apologia is a meritocracy. This is where science comes in because science is simply the study of things in terms of a standard that can be quantified. Construction is a science in that it builds structures by the use of measurements. A house is the result of an applied science. Lumber and fasteners are used in opposition to the force of weight and lateral stresses. If one does not understand how stresses impact lumber, he or she will not be a good builder. To live right and moral we need to live honestly. We need to live with integrity. If we create a cost it needs to be paid, by us. If we create value that value must be acknowledged by others. The more we diverge from this simple rule the more uncivilized we become. But where is the line between what is true and what is false? How and where do we draw it? The line is where debits become credits and vice versa. Liberals permit each person to draw their own line and define right and wrong for themselves. Liberals argue that what impacts us negatively is bad, but if we enjoy it, then it is good. Even morality has been linked to our physiology, as if how we feel establishes a universal standard. 
the categorical imperative of liberalism is to live as if your feelings are the most influential and significant part of the universe. Liberals live as if they are God and their feelings were sufficient to dictate the nature of reality. Hate makes something untrue in the liberal universe. But what is there that is real or more real than how we feel? How we choose between two options, other than the way they impact our physiognomy. There is no physical correlate of truth. There is no scale in nature against which we can determine our moral direction or the strength of our morality. Liberals have no objective standard all they have is how they feel. They can only judge right and wrong according to how the event, person, or idea makes them feel. It is possible for a nation or business to measure the profitability of a nation or business, but even this seems more about validating what we like the most. There is some feedback in that if a company attempts to sell ice in winter, they will not likely make any sales above the Arctic Circle. But even this index can be misleading. If the state subsidizes the manufacture and sale of ice, the company may show a profit though costs exceed revenues. Apologia is a model of perfection as apologetic is a guide to perfectibility. One can think of apologia as a nation, a people and an experiment. Apologia is a model of society that is guaranteed to work because it rewards value and penalizes the freeloader. This is the opposite of democracy. In application apologia fulfills the promises of faith. It is not enough for apologians to be passive recipients of a knowledge of Jesus. For us, this is not faith. We must live in faith in a way that makes our life a work of faith. If we are not a work of faith, we have no works that represent faith. Works are not divided from faith and faith is not something different from works because they come together in our life. When we have faith in Jesus this is not something akin to a new toy. We have a life in his presence on earth, the church. Faith in Jesus is a way of life. It is not an add-on or addition to life. Faith requires the biblical church. However, this is not built on the organizational model bequeathed us. In opposing Catholics, Luther did not pay enough attention to the real problem. It is not enough to just turn from evil. We must actively seek the good. Evil never poses itself as an alternative to good, but as the lesser evil. If we simply turn from one evil the probability is we will end up embracing a new kind of evil. The state gains power by promising to steal less than organized crime does. But the state is as unbiblical as any criminal organization. By voting for a politician, we assign authority to them, this assignment of authority requires we give them access to our property. But we are giving them an authority they have no right to. What we are doing is trying to limit the level of our accountability. If there was no state, what would there be? A simple answer, and the one most people would give, is that there would be chaos. The state has taught us that without them, society would descend into chaos. Without the state we imagine there would be a struggle over resources. It would be a battle the strongest and most ruthless would win. But even so, even in the most negative of scenarios, there would be specialization. We could not all do the same thing. With specialization there is always trade. 
The struggle of the strong men is always in addition to the market. Without the market there is nothing to fight over. Would one of these warring factions win? If so, we would once more have a state. It is not enough to get rid of the state because there are many who are ready to become the future state. We need to look beyond this struggle of strong men and look at what happens if we get rid of our need for the state. What happens if being the state had no benefit because the state could no longer benefit us? What we have without the state and with the state is a market. The most primitive of tribes still have elements of a market, and the most sophisticated of cultures have a market. The market exists regardless of whether the state exists or not. The choices we have are two. One choice is the state. The other choice is the church. A society devoid of regulation corresponds to the church. The church is not compatible with the state because a society without regulation cannot contain a state. This means the church and the state are incompatible and the differences are not reconcilable. We can pay our own way using what we created, or we externalize costs onto society and future generations, which requires the state. The state negates faith because it is the freeloader option. The two options give us socialism and the church. We can preach the gospel of the state or the gospel of Christ. The state is the idea that social agendas are human rights. The church manifests the idea that if you want it you have to pay for it. Rationalism and socialism are not just two political options, they are two groups with two distinct ideologies preaching two distinct messages. Socialism and rationalism create and are composed of two cultures, two systems, two races, two realities and two incompatible epistemologies. We can only live by reason or by rules. What we have, in fact, with socialism and rationalism, are two incompatible and irreconcilable systems which conflict with each other. But contrast the war between socialism and rationalism, and the war between church and state, with the conflict between the political left and right. Political opposites are not true opposites. One side wants more f something, the other side wants less of the same thing, but neither side rejects anything the other side wants. The two sides disagree with the intensity not the quality of what is disputed. The debate between left and right is over how many migrants, not about migrants. The left and right debate how much funding the state needs, not whether the state ought to be funded. Therefore, it is relatively painless to change political positions. A change in parties rarely even raises an eyebrow. The two sides are not far enough apart to cause a problem if your political allegiance changes. Politicians make a contrast between good and evil. But they put their group on the side of good and those who oppose them are decreed to be evil. The same goes for our institutions. Religion and apostasy face off against each other. Christianity and other religions oppose each other. Protestants oppose Catholics and vice versa. The individual churches of the Protestant religion via against each other. But where is the line between right and wrong and good and evil to be drawn? There is only one possible place where the line between good and evil can be. 
It is the line that divides those who are socialists from those who live by reason. There is no rational excuse for the state. It lives on the basis of force alone. We know we own what we produce. Reason tells us, no one can rationalize taking what we create. If they could, they would lose all right to defend what they created from others. We all own what we create, or no one does. The state either leaves the creations of others alone, or it will create a culture in which we lack any rights than what the state decides to give us. The choice is the law of the state or rationality because the law does not just take away rights, it eliminates reason. There is no freedom there is only reason. There is only the difference between the order of reason and the disorder of a state that regulates reason out of us. But this rejection of the state and its regulatory activity poses a problem for people who have lost the capacity to reason. The problem with the sovereign citizen movement is that individuals do not have the capacity or right to be sovereign. There is no reason for it. No individual can define right and wrong, good and bad and even less, good and evil. The will of the individual cannot veto the power of the state, but it cannot define what is rational either. But the reaction to socialism by populists is an even worse option than anarchy. If one person is not sovereign why is a majority sovereign? What has the power of the ballot box got to do with reason? The problem with democracy, especially direct democracy or populist democracy is that it equates reason with popular opinion. When the majority decides what is right, we have a tyranny of the majority. When a leader is elected to represent the majority, we do not become rational because of it. Democracy combines two problems and eliminates neither. An irrational majority elect an irrational individual to create rules that are not rational. The irrationality of autocracy and mob rule are hidden in a two-stage process that combines the irrationality of both into a single process. Democracy gives each subject one vote. This cannot be rationally justified. Being human does not justify you having a vote in how society is to operate. The majority might vote but the vote does not produce a rational solution nor goods and services. A vote is meaningless without a foundation in reason. Starving people might vote to have a meal but if there is no food the electorate will remain hungry. The majority can vote for free hospital care but if there is no doctors to provide the care, the vote is an exercise in futility. By itself the vote is nothing more than people engaging in wishful thinking. But that being said, there are people who create things with value that, through this process create civilizations. There are also elections that are held which give governments the power to exploit these people and the work they do. Governments are authorized, by the popular vote, to allocate things with value in accordance with a state's social agenda. Therein lies the problem. The rational are justified by the work they do but the state must do something to justify its existence. The rational work in faith but the state cannot do anything without expropriating the wealth of the rational, as the state does not the ability to add value to assets. Apologia is rational because it works on the basis of reason rather than power. Because it is grounded in reason it requires no laws or rules to function. The basis of reason is what some might consider the market. 
Regardless, without accountable bookkeeping humans cannot function rationally. We need an objective way to compare courses of action. Every choice has a cost, and every cost must be paid if a rational response is to be made. Rationality is, in the end, nothing more than accounting without the extraneous costs created by the state. Apologia is the only organization able to make this happen.